0: I'm going to read from Job chapter 28, verse 1. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, but underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beasts have not trodden it. The lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eyes see every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle. And the thing that is hidden, he brings out to light. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says it's not in me, and the sea says it's not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is, beyond, is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come, and where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all the living, and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we've heard a rumour of it with our ears, God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth, and he sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight, and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain, and a way for the lightning of the thunder. Then he saw it, and declared it. He established it, and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil... Is understanding. Once a, a child hits about three or four years old, they start to, well, they tend to start to ask a million and one why questions. Why aren't the dinosaurs anymore? Why is that car going faster than ours? Why is the sky blue? Why do I have to inf- invite that kid to my birthday party? Why has that other kid got more toys than me? Why is that man sleeping on the street? Why do grown ups cry when they're happy? Why, 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 why? And they can be pretty persistent, and if you've had a long day at work, it can be a little bit tiring. But it is an important part of a child's development, isn't it? This kind of curiosity about the world. What happens when we grow up and we become adults? Well, some people keep this childlike curiosity about the world. Others don't, but even for them, even for them, the why questions, they tend not to disappear, they tend just to become a little bit deeper. So not just, why don't birds get electrocuted when they sit on power cables, but why are we here? Uh, why is the world the way it is? Why are people the way that they are? Why are relationships so challenging? Why am I not at peace why doesn't life make sense why am i suffering in the uh, 2021 uk census results about what people believe the fastest growing group the fastest growing group was those who said they have no religion it's now uh, 37% no religion but that does not mean it does not mean that 37% of the population are atheists, it just means that they don't, believe, they don't belong to an organized religion. So these nones, as they're sometimes called, they're also the fastest growing group in the US. And what they found there, and it will be similar here, is that only about 7% identify as atheists, and the rest are predominantly spiritual, but not religious So they're into spirituality, they believe in God or some higher power, they have all sorts of spiritual beliefs that they've picked up from here, there, and everywhere, and they're seeking meaning and purpose and community, and they're seeking answers to the big questions, the why questions. Where can we find satisfying answers? Where are you looking? That is what this chapter of the Bible I've just read is all about, Job 28. It's about the search for answers. And the word the passage uses for this is wisdom. Verse 12, where shall wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? And they are questions that as Christians we may well be asking ourselves as well. Because remember, Job was a believer and he was asking why questions, wasn't he? You know, why am I suffering like this? Why is is God doing this? And this passage. This passage tells us where wisdom is to be found. Now, it's not clear who is speaking here. Uh, it could be Job. It could be a narrator. It could be God himself. It doesn't really matter. Whoever it is, this is God's word to us. And it begins, and you'll see this on the outline inside the service sheets, it begins with the search for gold. And just a reminder for anyone with... Uh, young ones, if they get restless, there is still... I think the craze room downstairs is still available for use where you can hear us and we can't hear you. I think they're just using the upstairs one for Sunday school. So firstly, verses 1 to 11 are basically a description of mining for gold. I don't know if you picked that up. It's a description of mining for gold. So you know, perhaps some of you are wearing gold jewellery today. Uh, maybe a ring, maybe uh, earrings. Have you ever thought about where that gold has come from and the amazing process to get it onto your finger or around your neck? Mining for gold is difficult and it's dangerous, and all the more so back in the ancient world. So have a look at verse 1 of chapter 28. It says, Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the ore. So this is describing mining not just for gold, but also what are the metals? Silver, iron, copper. And it says that the metal is then refined and smelted in a furnace. But but first you have to find it. First you have to find it. And so verse three says Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit the awe and gloom and deep darkness. So saying you've got to go deep underground into the dark to find this stuff. It continues in verse 3, he opens, uh, verse 4, he opens shafts in a valley, away from where anyone lives. They, that's the miners, they are forgotten by travellers. They hang in the air, far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. So being an ancient miner was a dangerous job. You're suspended on a rope in some mine shaft deep underground. Now, by contrast, the farmer, the farmer has it pretty easy. Verse 5 says... As for the earth, out of it comes bread. That's the farmer. But underneath, it's turned up as by fire. You know, so think of lava underground that spurts out in volcanic eruptions. And you might say, well, given mining is so dangerous and so difficult, why does any, anybody bother with it? And the answer is in verse 6. It says, its stones are the places of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That's why it's worth it, because you're digging for treasure, for precious stones and metals. Now, humans have succeeded in working out how to do this. And it is remarkable, isn't it, that people have worked out how to do this. So one website about gold mining says this. It says, gold mine exploration is challenging and complex. It requires significant time financial resources and expertise in many disciplines, the likelihood of a discovery leading to a mine being developed is very low. It is less than 0.1% of prospective sites that will lead to a productive mine. And so the fact that we've managed to figure out how to do this, it testifies to the dominion and the mastery of the human race. We have done what no other creature has managed to do. And so it says in verse 7, that path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. So birds of prey, they're impressive, but gold mining is beyond them. So too with animals, verse 8 says, the proud beasts have not trodden it, the lion has not passed over it. So gold mining is beyond even the greatest of the animals. But, but it is not beyond humans. Humans. So verse 9 goes on, man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. So it, it sounds as if, it looks as if miners have superhuman powers. They overturn mountains. They, they dig up, they dig through the rock. Verse 10 goes on, he cuts out channels in the rocks and his eyes, his eyes see every precious thing. And Lord of the Rings fans, we well, thinking of the ring, which Gollum, called My Precious, and diverts underground rivers, verse 11. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle. The result of all this extraordinary endeavor is success. Verse 11, the thing that is hidden, he brings out to light. Success. So despite all the difficulties, all the dangers, humans have done it we found this treasure deep underground, we've mined it, we've brought it to the surface, we've treated it so that sitting here today on the barge, you have a gold ring on your finger, you have a silver necklace, you have a diamond in your earring, you have petrol in your car, you have metal pans and cutlery in your kitchen. It is very, very impressive what humanity has achieved. Do you remember God's command to humankind, to mankind back in Genesis 1.28? He said, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. And we do have dominion, don't we? The list of discoveries and inventions is long and impressive. Planes, space exploration, computers, mobile phones, anesthetics, printing presses, light bulbs, the internet, submarines, and so on. Now, Why is this passage talking about this? Why is this passage talking about mining? Is it just celebrating human achievement and saying how amazing human beings are? Well, no. the point of all this, the point is in verse 12, if you look at that. Verse 12 says, But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? The successful search for gold is contrasted with the unsuccessful search for wisdom. So humanity has succeeded in finding and mining gold and other treasures hidden deep in the ground, but we have failed to find wisdom. Answers to the big questions. The why questions. Wisdom about how to live. That is something we have not managed to discover despite all our achievements. Verse 12, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, that means it's priceless, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it's not in me. And the sea says, it's not with me. So it's saying, you know, we've searched land and sea, but in vain. If you skip down to verse 20, it continues this theme in verse 20. It says, from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It's hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon, uh, that's the name of the angel of the, uh, the bottomless pit in Revelation 9.11, Abaddon and death say, we've heard rumours of it with our ears. So death is basically saying, when you interview death, you say, well, yeah, vague memories of someone saying once they'd met somebody whose third cousin had, had heard about wisdom or, you know, Wisdom is hidden from us. It's nowhere to be found, either among the living or the dead. The history of humanity is one of impressive achievement in so many areas. But, but abject failure in this area. Failure to find wisdom. So we can mine gold, we can mine diamonds, we can put men on the moon, but we cannot answer the basic questions of life. Why are we here? What is our purpose? What is life all about? Where have we come from? Where are we going? What happens when we die? How should we live? I mean, even the greatest philosophers have failed to provide satisfying answers. We have plenty of knowledge... We've got knowledge to fill the world's libraries with millions of books. We've got the internet with billions of pages of information, but we haven't got wisdom. We have intelligence, and some people have sky-high IQ, but intelligence is not the same as wisdom. They're different things. The the late Stephen Hawking uh, was the most celebrated scientist of modern times. He was a brilliant, brilliant man. But he was clueless, he was utterly clueless when it came to the big questions of life. Remarkable discoveries about black holes and so on, but he hadn't found wisdom. You know, basic things like, where has the universe come from? He claimed this. He said, because there is such a thing as gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Now, Professor John Lennox, in his book, Can Science Explain Everything, he explains why this is a meaningless, illogical thing to say. And he concludes this. He says a nonsense statement remains a nonsense statement even when written by a world-famous scientist. As the renowned physicist Richard Feynman once said, he said a scientist looking at non-scientific problems is just as dumb as the next guy. And we see that, don't we, when it comes to the big questions of life. Andrew Marr, in his book, A History of the World, uh, he wrote this. He said, imagine being able to summon up and talk to an Aztec warrior. If you uh, showed them your mobile phone and you tried to explain to them how it worked, you would have no chance at all of making them understand. But... If you wanted to tell them about Stalin or corrupt politicians or the struggles between dictators and people in the Arab world today, they would get the picture immediately. We have made advances. Yet, he said, when it comes to our appetites, our anger, our relationship with power, there has been nothing like the advance we have seen in our scientific and technical culture. And it's this big puzzle, isn't it? You know, Why do people behave badly? What is the answer? We have failed to find wisdom. And that is not a small failure. That is a, the biggest tragedy imaginable because wisdom is the most precious thing in the world. In fact, wisdom is priceless. It's beyond price. It's invaluable. So look at verse 15. It says, It cannot be bought for gold. And silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. It's priceless. I mean, you you can check online today's gold price. It's something like 1,547 pounds an ounce. Wisdom, though, is priceless. And that is why the failure to find wisdom is utterly devastating. Because nothing can compare to the value of this. So humanity has found lots of treasures, but has failed to find the most valuable treasure of all, the most precious thing in the world, and that is wisdom. But all is not lost. We may not know where to find wisdom, but God does. God does. And that is what the final bit of the passage is about, 23 to 27. Let's have a look at 23. Verse 23 says, God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth, and he sees everything under the heavens, So he's saying nothing's hidden from God, so he knows where wisdom is to be found. In fact, wisdom has been there from the very beginning, when God created the world. When God made the weather, that's what verse 25 says, that verse 25, when he gave to the wind its weight and a portion of the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it. And searched it out. It's saying when God created weather, wisdom was with him. Now, weather, a favourite topic of conversation in this country, isn't it? People are always talking about the weather. But the weather puts us in our place, doesn't it? Because it reminds us of how much is beyond our control. I mean, sure, we have you know, weather forecasts nowadays, but the weather is still wild, it's still uncontrollable. And you know, one week it's freezing, and then the next week it jumps 10 degrees. These verses talk about wind and rain and lightning and thunder. It's scary stuff. It's outside our control. It's outside our control, as is so much in life. The weather is just one example of how much in our lives and in our world is beyond our control. It illustrates our limitations. It illustrates our lack of wisdom. That, you know, even, if even the weather's beyond us, how much more the big questions of life? But, and this is the point here, but it is not beyond God. God created the weather. God orders the weather. And he knows the answers to everything. Wisdom has been with him from the very beginning. There's a passage in Proverbs 8 in which wisdom is pictured as a woman speaking to us, and she says this. When God established the heavens, I was there. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, there I was beside him, like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. So God and wisdom had been in partnership, working together from the very beginning. And so if we want wisdom... God is the one to go to. As verse 23 says, God understands the way to it and he knows its place. And so we need to come to God and we need to say, God, I want wisdom. And you alone know where to find it. You know, I don't have the answers to the big questions of life, or, you know, I don't understand what's going on in my life, or I don't get why I'm suffering as I am. Please show me. Show me where I can find wisdom. Now, here is God's response to that question. And, you know, this is a big, big moment, okay? So, the last time God spoke in the book of Job was back in chapters 1 and 2. And this now is the first time in the book that God has spoken to humans. Okay, so this is a big moment. This is what God says. Have a look at verse 28. So, 28, 28, easy to remember. He said to man... Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. That's lesson one in God's school of wisdom. This is first base. Fear the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, it's actually the title of a very helpful little book written by Michael Reeves. To fear the Lord is it's to have reverence for him. To have awe at his greatness, his majesty. He's the king over all the earth. He's he's the all-powerful creator and judge of all. So Psalm 33 verse 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. Now there is a, a sinful fear of God which runs away from him. Should you remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden hiding in shame? That's a sinful fear. But there is a right fear of God which is in awe of him and marvels at him and bows before him and delights in him as Jesus did. So Isaiah 11 verse 3 prophesied about the Messiah. It said, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Now, this right kind of fear of the Lord, verse 28 says, uh, wisdom is to turn away from evil. That is understanding. If we rightly fear the Lord, we will turn away from evil. That is, we will turn from sin, and we will turn to God, and we will obey him. This is step one on the path to wisdom. Now, this is what Job had been doing all along. The very first verse of the book of Job, the very first verse, we learned that Job was, in one one, he was someone who feared God and turned away from evil. And now God was saying, Job, keep going, mate. You're on the right path. You're on the path of wisdom. You're doing what I want. Keep going. That's what matters. Did did that answer all Job's questions? Well, no, it didn't. I mean, God did not even tell Job why he was suffering. We know from the book, but Job didn't know this. So God did not answer all Job's why questions, but he told him what he needed to know. And that is that wisdom is fearing the Lord and turning from evil. And that is what he needed to keep doing. And it is the same for us it's the same for us so God does not promise that he's going to answer all our why questions so you might be asking you know why am I suffering like this at the moment why did God allow this or that to happen in my life why won't God heal me but he directs us to himself and he says fear me turn away from evil go my way that is wisdom so instead of leading us to a place of answers, he leads us to, to himself. And he leads us to his son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God's wisdom. So the wisdom in Proverbs 8, who was with the Father when he created the universe, that was the son of God. And in Jesus he became flesh and he dwelt among us. And Colossians 2.6 says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So on a, you know, a children's uh, pirate's map, X marks the spot, doesn't it, where the treasure is buried? Well, on the wisdom treasure map, the X is Christ. It's the cross is where the treasure is. We had this in our first reading, didn't we? 1 Corinthians one twenty four said, Christ is, Christ is the wisdom of God. And verse 30 of that reading, God has made Jesus our wisdom. We talked uh, last week a little bit about progressive revelation, didn't we, in salvation history, that in, God's wisdom, uh, sorry, in Christ, God's wisdom is fully revealed. So you're thinking about a dimmer switch being turned up, it's being turned up to full brightness in Christ. And so wisdom now is what? It is to fear the Lord to turn away from evil, and to come to Christ. That is wisdom. And in coming to Christ, we may not find answers to all our personal questions, our why questions, but we find the right answers to the big questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? What is the point of life? What happens when I die? How should I live? But, if we do not come to the Lord and if we do not come to his Christ, we remain, the Bible says, we remain fools. Clever fools maybe, but still fools in God's sight, in the dark. Well, as we close, if you're someone who at the moment doesn't trust in Christ, where are you looking for answers in life? Where are you looking for wisdom? Are you looking in the right place? C.S. Lewis, the author of the, uh, the Narnia Chronicles, he wrote a book about his conversion, which is called Surprised by Joy. And in the final chapter, he writes this. He said, I had hoped that the heart of reality might be of such a kind that we can best symbolize it as a place. Instead, I found it to be a person. We don't find wisdom in a place, but in a person, in Jesus Christ. And so why not take a closer look at him? And we meet him in the pages of this book. And that is why this book is so precious. So as they say in the coronation service, as they they hand the new monarch a Bible, they say, this book is the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. So here is the place where we meet the person. And if we are those who have come to Christ, what a relief it is to have found answers to the big questions of life, but that does not mean that all our personal why questions will be answered for us in this life. Wisdom is not knowing why you are suffering, but it is responding in a godly way to it. Someone like, Jeremy Marshall, the former bank CEO, I think is a great example of of this. We've had him speak here um, on many occasions. But he was posting this past week about his battle with cancer over the past years. He was told in 2015 that he had incurable cancer, and he had 18 months to live. But he's still here, still here seven years on, after innumerable operations and scans and hospital visits but he was posting just this past week a scan has just confirmed a metastasis of the cancer into the brain. It's just a huge ultramarathon this guy is on. Now, I don't know this, I don't know, but I am guessing that Jeremy has a few why questions of his own. Why is God allowing this? You know, what is God's purpose in all of this? But, he keeps walking the path of wisdom, fearing the Lord, Turning from evil, trusting in Christ, and making the most of serving him. He may not have answers, but he knows the one who does have the answers, and he's content with that. With his latest update, he posted um, Psalm 125, verses 1 and 2, which says this, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. So whatever we're going through in life at the moment, whatever struggles we may have, let's look to the Lord, the one who has the answers, the one who sees everything, the one who understands what we don't, the one who created and rules the world in wisdom, the one who has our lives in his hand, and the one who surrounds us as his people, both now and evermore.